You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded whores. Hey guys, welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. I'm your host, Danica. And I'm Riley. And I'm your host, Nina. (laughs) No, she's not. (laughs) I already let one in. (laughs) Let me in, please. This is the second part to Nina's interview. We have a lot to discuss, so we had to break it into two parts. So if you haven't gone and listened to part one yet, go check that out and then come back here and listen to our second part. So you mentioned before, and much like Danica, you said you grew up in a very religious community. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Lord help us. (laughs) Do you keep your uh, sex worker life private and if so how i keep my sex life general just in general anything <laughs> anything to do with you my do not sex have a sexuality <laughs> i am an asexual blob <laughs> uh, i would say yes and there's there's something that i <laughs> strongly believe in this is a sentiment that i wish everybody followed but you don't owe the truth to anybody except yourself. And I know that's a little bit controversial because when you have relationships bonded with people, you know, but I have to tell this person the truth. No, you don't. No, you don't. Is it going to hurt them if you tell them the truth? Yes, then why? Is it going to hurt you if you tell them? Then why would you tell them the truth? I see it so much when, you know, people like celebrities do interviews on online. And I saw this, I saw this one. There's Interviews from the 2000s where Lady Gaga is being interviewed by all these people. And at that point, they were using such a terrible word to describe somebody, but they're using the word hermaphrodite to describe Mm -hmm. Lady Gaga. And they're saying, people are saying you have a dick. People are saying you're hermaphrodite. People are saying all this stuff. And she would, in every interview, be like, no, I'm a woman. No, I got a vagina. No, that's not true. And they kept on asking her. And at some point, she just started trolling with them, right? They'd be like, we heard that you have a dick. And she'd be like, yeah, it's pretty big. You know? (laughs) Because people aren't going to listen to you anyway. So I feel the same way in my my life, sex life as well as sex work, where I firmly believe that you don't owe the truth to anybody except yourself. So if you're in a relationship with a partner and they know what you do, that's amazing, right? Um... And I, I don't think you should start a relationship with somebody on on false pretenses either. You know, that's probably somebody that you should tell because it actually does directly affect them. Mm-hmm. It directly affects them if you're having sex with them and you are also having uh, sex with other people, right? You could, there's a transmission of diseases. They have to be told that, right? So that's an omission of truth. That's not okay because it directly affects their lives and their livelihood and their bodies, right? If what I do does not directly affect you in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely not. I don't owe you the truth. You can ask me, and I will straight up lie to your face, you know? What do you do for a living? I'm an accountant. How do you like it? I don't. <laughs> Next question, you know? Yeah. Like is, I, I don't owe you the truth, and I also expect you to know that you are asking an inappropriate question. So what, you know... Like, if you're going to ask a question you know you're not supposed to ask me, then why would I tell you the truth? We're not that close and we're not that deep. So that is my answer to that. (laughs) Okay, well, speaking of questions that are wildly inappropriate, (laughs) and 
gonna have to go have no business asking you. Okay. You might lie about. Like, so you a whore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> go on. So you do engage in full service sex work and you have a partner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And were you always a full service? <laughs> So were you always a full service sex worker? Is it something you started while you're already in a relationship? And how did you navigate that discussion? I started full service as sex work actually after I was in a relationship and I'd been in a relationship. Trick the fucker. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No! Not at all! No! No, I definitely started after and I, it's so funny that you ask because there's actually a lot of I have a lot of square friends, especially when I was in college, that uh, would be like, I can't believe when I was a stripper. Um, I still am, by the way. But <laughs> when I started, they were like, I can't believe your boyfriend lets you do that. And I, growing up from a religious background, I'd be like, what do you mean lets you? Because, you know, mm-hmm. you hear that so much or you'd be like, oh, I can't believe her parents let her dress that way. I can't believe her parents let her do her hair like that. And it's always, you know, on the girl. And then it's always on the parents as if she has no autonomy of her own, as if she doesn't have a brain and, you know, is making these decisions about her own life. So whenever I heard that, I'd be like, there's no let. You know, Mm -hmm. I exist and my partner exists and we are two separate beings and I don't monitor what he does with his clothing and he doesn't monitor what I do with my clothing Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Um, And so that always used to bother me. And then one of my friends actually explained to me in the way where she said, well, I just don't think I could ever do it because I'm in a relationship. And I said, well, I'm in a relationship. And she said, well, you started dancing. But I love mine. <laughs> she said, yes, but I actually care about my boyfriend. <laughs> She's like, nah, I know for a fact that horse can't love. Okay? <laughs> you are loveless. <laughs> you are loveless. Your love is not real. <laughs> Imagine she said that, and I'm still her friend. <laughs> Wait, all views expressed in this podcast are not of our own. <laughs> This is sarcasm. <laughs> jokes. Um, but the way she described it, she was like, well, because I'm already in a relationship and you started dancing before you got in a relationship and it's different. And I really had to think about it and think, oh, actually, maybe it was because stripping is my job. Uh, and at that point, you know, I had started stripping and met my boyfriend after. Mm. So I think that is a lot harder. I think it's harder for people to start dancing after they're in a relationship or start sex work after they're in a relationship versus if you were already, you know, like just like any other job, if you were already a waitress and then you met somebody and you had to move towns, you know, to be together, you had to move countries together or whatever, that's always gonna, you know, be a lot easier than, well, we're in a relationship, we moved to this new town together, now I have to get a new job or whatever. So that's the way that I thought about it where, oh, maybe it was actually easier because I was already dancing and he didn't have any problem with it at all whatsoever. I was like, hey, I'm a stripper. And he was like, all right. And I said, cool. That's the <laughs> attitude that I like. And then it went from all right to, do you need a ride to work? Do you want me to pick you up? And he'd pick me up with like matcha in the car. And he'd be like, here's a little tea. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is so sweet. And he'd be like, tell me all the stories. What happened at work today? And I'd be like, well, <laughs> this person, this person, this person, you know, like all these things. So I think... I think it is a lot easier to be a sex worker if you aren't in a relationship in the beginning. Do you know what I mean? But I think it is much harder to transition into sex work while you're in a committed relationship. Yeah. I think so too. I mean, I, before I got with my now partner, I was already dancing and had been in the industry for like a couple years. Mm -hmm. And I think my 
I guess idea of why that is is because like when you are in a relationship and as much and like we got to change this but guys then feel entitled partners feel entitled to that aspect of your life that that sexuality and making decisions together yeah and then it feels like that is being taken away from them or is now having to be once once was quote-unquote theirs is now having to be shared and it really weeds out the week when you're already in the industry and you're like this is what I do and you have to be okay with it because are you going to pay my bills if not? Mm-hmm. 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 I um, wasn't in sex work when I was with my ex-partner. And then we moved to Alberta together. And he got me a job through his cousin at a strip club. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, we had been together for so many years. He was so comfortable with me being at the strip club as a server. And then I was just like, hey, I want to start stripping. It's a lot better money. He's like, yeah, like totally. And then it was like that seamless. Yeah. But I think it's because we had such um, a foundation built. Mm. And me going to the strip club was like 100% like his help. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so um, I think that's why it was so seamless for me. But I do completely agree with you, uh, Riley, that for some reason, a lot, and not, not all men, but (laughs) a lot of men have this concept of like, but your sexuality is mine. (laughs) Like, I don't want to share it now. Or the idea I joke, like you trapped him. Like, I think a lot of people will be like, you trapped me. I thought you were wholesome and now you're a whore. (laughs) You know? You know what? Okay. Something that actually comes up quite a lot is my, my boyfriend, like my partner and I, when we first started seeing each other, it was purely and completely sexual and not at all based on wanting to start a relationship at all whatsoever. It was completely, I really wanted to explore at, you know, like years ago, I really wanted to explore my dominant side because I was exploring, again, I wanted to explore my sexuality and not like sexuality, like who you're attracted to, if you're queer, if you're not, that stuff. More like I wanted to know what I liked about sex. What do I like? What don't I like? And I had no concept of that because I didn't really date when I was a teenager, right? I was super religious. And I really, really, really wanted to do it in a way where I felt that I was in control. And that was really important to me because I was so scared about maybe doing something wrong, not knowing how to have sex, or even just like somebody hurting me. You know what I mean? So the only avenue that I could see myself doing that in is in a way where I have to have complete control of the situation at all times. And then I fell upon kink and I was like, what if I decide that I am the dominant one? Like, if I'm the dominant one, I get to tie you up so you can't hurt me. And that's actually how, like, my doming started. I was like, wait a minute. If I learn how to tie somebody up, I'm in full control and they also can't hurt me. And I, in my mind, I don't know why I made this connection, but I was like, they can't rape me because their hands are tied and their legs are tied. So I, that's actually how I started thinking about being a dom because I said, I really want, I want to have sex, but I also don't want to be hurt. Um, coming from, you know, that religious background where it's either you got raped or... That's it. Like, that's the only way you're having sex is, like, somebody raped you, right? So when my partner and I actually met, he was really trying to explore his submissive side. And I was trying to explore my dominant side. So when we actually started talking... Yeah, yeah. When we started talking, it was more like, hey, I want to explore, you know, being a little bit more dominant. And I've never had sex before. And he was thinking, well, I really want to explore my submissive side. I'm kind of into these things. And that's how we started seeing each other there was nothing 
I like it. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like a, mm, I have a what crush. A, no no cute know? meat is what you're saying. No, no it wasn't like a meat, meat cute? kind of thing. I thought he was obviously, I found him very attractive and obviously he found me very attractive. Um, but it was, our relationship started purely from sexual attentions. Mm-hmm. And now we've been together for years and years and years. And we're, you know, obviously in love. It's probably the last person I'm going to be with in my life. But it's one of those things where like, <laughs> you see people where they're like, I've dated my husband for 30 years and then he uh, cheated on me with a hooker and he did blow for the first time that I can't believe it. And then there's people that are like, we met in passing once in Paris and I think about him all the time. Or, yeah, I fell in love with this girl that I had a one night stand with and now we have three kids and have been married for 60 years. Like there's no, you know, there's no formula to this, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're always going to find the person that's going to treat you the best right Mm -hmm. there's always somebody that's going to treat you like amazing beautiful fantastic and so yeah whenever I hear sex workers talk about like "Mm, how do I let my partner know that and whenever people to me personally when my square friends used to say like I can't believe you know he lets you do this I'm like what kind of men are you hanging out with where they wouldn't let you Go to work. Or that's it's work. Even the, you know, <laughs> it's my job. This is how I make money. Or that's Sorry, even the way me. you look at it. How like a man will let you do things. Absolutely, like, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, and it's like that's that's such a uh, oh, it's an awful place to see people at where it's yeah. like oh, my boyfriend would love, never let me. Yeah, and then I'm like, you don't even have to finish the sentence because. You know, I don't know what he would never let you. But I already like, know. Like, you dress like this, that you do this for work, da, 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 all this stuff. Unless the sentence ends in, my boyfriend would never let me open the door by myself. Yeah. yeah. My boyfriend would never let me go hungry. Yeah. My boyfriend would yeah. never yeah. let me sleep with makeup on. When I'm asleep, he would wipe my face with makeup <laughs> yeah. on. Take my contacts right? out. My my exactly. Yeah. That's how I want that sentence to end, you know? Um, I completely agree with the comment, and you said this earlier in the episode, too, about... Uh, being in a dom position, feeling safe. And that's a hundred percent why in sexual situations, um, whether it be like in a strip club, I take on a more dominant role for sure. And even and then moving outside the strip club in my dom um, career, I do feel like that's operating in such a safer space. Um, and like the idea of being submissive in like sex work arena gives me such like anxiety because I feel like it's just like, I just don't trust Mm -hmm. dominant men Mm -hmm. unless they're actually like trained or like know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people use like submissive people as a chance to like hurt them. That's kind of like how my, um, my mind worked too about being the dom person was like, this is my safe, safer place to be in and operate in. I completely agree. I completely agree. There's, I've seen so many people, especially people that, uh, will say that they're into fetishes or people that say they're kinky. And a lot of times it's just men Mm -hmm. that have issues that they want to get out on Mm -hmm. a woman that is submissive. Right. So there's a lot of people, Oh, I'm a dom. Oh, I'm a dom. I go, okay. Like, you know, what do you do to make your sub feel safe? Whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Right. Because for them it's like, well, I'm a dom because you know, that fucking line in uh, 50 shades of gray, it's like, I don't make love. I fuck. Uh, <laughs> that's a line in Fifty Shades of Grey. And that's what I think about every time, like, these guys are like, I'm a dom, I'm a dom. I'm like, okay, so you don't do aftercare. Yeah, right? exactly. You are, like, basically the only reason you think you're a dom is because you just want power and control mm. 
over a woman or yeah. wh- or whoever it is, right? Like this happens in a lot of um, uh, like gay relationships as well with a, a lot of men that will be like, oh, I just prefer I just prefer twinks. I just prefer twinks. And I'm like, okay, but also, are you making sure that like your twink is safe? <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Are you looking out for your sub yeah. if your twink is a sub? Are you looking out for this person because that's part of being a dom, right? Being part of a dom is this person trusts me so much with their um, mental state and their physical state and you have to be so vulnerable which takes so much trust right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. then that's your responsibility as a dom and there's so many men that want the control and none of their responsibility 100 percent, yeah and like i think like i think i would need to know that someone understands what the dom role is and how to operate that like professionally and like correctly mm-hmm. and with like care mm-hmm. um, before I could ever like go into a submissive role. And that even is in my like personal sexual life with like my partner. Like I need to know that they're in that dom role in like a fun, loving mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Not like we just had a fight and they're like, come here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's, especially with men, there is definitely a, a huge plethora of them who are fake doms and if you don't know what that is google has some really good resources yes um there are so many red flags that you can look out for like if you don't feel like your needs are being met or your desires are being met or your safety and comfort is being met chances are they're not a dom mm-hmm. yeah i remember i had like secondhand anxiety from you riley when you were like i want to take on like a professional submissive role yeah so i was like very quickly yeah, <laughs> i was like lord have mercy like, but i just knew it's like it's literally you standing on like a mountain being like yeah. and then all these like evil men be like, yeah. they, like climb to you um, yes although that was during the time that we were listening to the scarlet letters in which all of this was happening in a very like controlled, controlled safe, safe professional dungeon. environment yes. yeah 100% I would yeah. never go off and do that like in my sphere no yeah. absolutely and of no. course we're not saying like women that are let's say women um, that are in like professional submissive roles that do that in their spare time are stupid or anything like that or that we think it's a bad idea. We're saying for us that's not somewhere we can operate and feel safe in at this time. Yeah. Um, and I think people that are doing it, and I know the people that are doing submissive roles professionally, go through the necessary steps to finding a true, like, loving, caring dom. Yeah. <laughs> and I would actually like to um, note that I have – had and sought out doms in my rec sex life but just being in the sex sex industry as well I'm very aware that when you put money into the equation it changes that power dynamic and so I would absolutely hire a professional dom Mm -hmm. I would never be hired as a professional submissive because now you have someone in the dominant Mm -hmm. role who is also giving you money which Mm -hmm. has also given them this underlining era of entitlement Mm -hmm. and power Mm -hmm. and so yeah like if you want to seek out like doms in your rec sex life like obviously be careful Obviously, make sure you have, like, everything is done correctly. Ask them what their experiences are. Ask them for references. Do all of that. Ask them for IDs, everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, go through the same sort of, if not more, uh, you know. Research. Yeah, you know? research as you would do. As, you like, need to vet people. Yeah. So Make them it, jump through all those standards. Yeah, <laughs> even if you are doing it for, like, Rick Six, um, you know, Tinder and stuff like that, you can find it. I would uh, I would look at FetLife and 
Field actually probably has some really I've good. I've heard a lot of good things about mm-hmm. Field. Yeah. Um, so yeah, do do a little bit of research, do um, a little bit of vetting, but like yeah. Also, I would say if you really are interested in finding out more about what you like, and you're a little interested in like, oh, I might have some kinks that I want to explore. You, the safest way, and you know, asterisks, the safest possible way for you to um do that is to actually go out to kink events right yes. they mm-hmm. cost like $20 they're organized by people in the kink community and I'm, I'm I'm saying safest because and I have air quotes on you can't see them obviously mm-hmm. but I'm saying safest with air quotes because you know you obviously have to have some kind of discretion and yeah. you have to follow your own instincts right just because you paid money to be in this place doesn't mean it's the safest place ever of course, right yeah. but you know you Go to these uh, kink events that people host. People host them in a lot of big cities. Um, And, you know, the city that we're in, there's a really fantastic kink community. And you can get, like, a membership that's, like, $300 a year. Or you can get uh, tickets every time there's an event. But what a wonderful place for you to explore because when you go in, there will be everybody there is so happy to see you, especially new faces. They're so welcoming. And they have toys and everything already set up. They have X-frames. You know, they have straddles. They have swings. There there was one that I went to where there was a person doing a bloodletting, uh, um, uh, what's it called? Like showing demonstration. Yeah, demonstration. So they had a bloodletting demonstration. And you know, there were people doing flogging, there were people doing how to whip safely. And this wasn't a educational event that I went to, it was just a kink event, right? But they have these professionals that come in, there's people selling uh, toys that they made, right? Like leather goods and things. So you meet a lot of people. And then from there, what a great place to vet, right? Yeah. You can ask other subs that are there, hey, have you been with this person? Did they respect your boundaries? I'm thinking about exploring, and I want to talk to them a little bit more there. It's queer friendly. Um, Please go out and like seek these events because that's where you'll actually meet people that are doing and exploring kink the way that you want to. Yeah. If you're in Vancouver, uh, it's Vancouver Kink Community. Oh gosh, I VKC. I yeah, think. there's one oh, there's like two or three and they're scattered amongst the lower mainland. But I just I really want people to know that there are in real life events that you can, you know, pay ten to twenty bucks to go to where you don't have to you don't have to feel like it's just some anonymous person online that you're talking to and you don't know if they're safe, mm-hmm. right? You can go to this event. You can say, hey, I want to explore my kink with you. Whip out your <laughs> driver's license. Let me make sure you're a real person. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 100%. So I think something people assume about sex workers and relationships is that jealousy is a big issue. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like your partner is very receptive and very um, understanding of your work, you know, bringing the matcha latte and be like, <laughs> tell me all the damn tea. But is jealousy something you have dealt with in this relationship? And if so, how do you kind of navigate that? Um, that's a good question, actually. So there's not a lot of jealousy in my relationship. Um, I don't find that my partner gets jealous of like other people <laughs> or anything like that. I personally choose not to tell him the nitty gritty details of what goes on but he also has been to strip clubs I bought him lap dances (laughs) like we've been to strip clubs together and I bought him lap dances from other women you know whenever we travel and things like that and I think that's such a great way to just break down the mystery of like ooh, what happens in the back room you know I'm like here let me buy you a lap dance you can see what happens in the back room you know and he goes to the back room and he comes out and he's like 
oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, she, uh, all she did was uh, strip for me and then dance. And I'm like, ta-da. <laughs> That's all she did? All she did was give you a lap dance? Oh, like it was her job? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it takes away a lot of that mystery in dancing. Now for like massage parlor, um, again, there's <laughs> no jealousy there. I actually tell them. <laughs> about the penises that I see on the day-to-day basis so you know I'll come home and if I see like an interesting penis or somebody was weird I once had uh, a a guy I was doing a, a massage for a guy and he just out of the blue he just asked me what kind of men do you like and the troll that I am I said oh I love a man with a Scottish accent and I kid you not this man started speaking to me in a Scottish accent understand that this is how I feel every time I'm in a club and someone just like tries to repeat my accent oh my God. back. No, they're like, no, they're like, no. And they're always, always like shrimp on the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, like that's wrong country. Not me. Okay. <laughs> you like, first and foremost, sir. <laughs> Did you pass geography um, grade five? But like, I want to know what they're giving young boys so they grow up to have men with no shame. <laughs> no shame. Honestly. I mean, society doesn't shame men. It shames women. Shame. And we know that. Um, <laughs> I actually remember the first time I met your partner was in the club that we yes. work at. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So me and Nina had been friends for a little while, but we weren't super close. Um, wow. <laughs> Lord, Lord, I don't even know your real name. So. Oh, that's damn. true. At that point, you have, yeah. you have a real name. name. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is it not Nina? This is awkward. She's like, I thought Nina was your... And I'm like, pulls out ID. It says Nina. I'm like, it's a fake. <laughs> um, but he was sitting in the back of the club. And usually when uh, partners come into the club, they don't call their partner by their dancer name, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we... I went up to him and I was like, hey, how's it going? Like, just started a casual conversation. He's like, oh, good. Like, I'm just here to see my partner. I was like, oh, cool. Like, who's your partner? He's like, Nina. I was like, I don't know this bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking that, like, he would call his partner by, like, her real name. Oh, yes. And I was like, I don't know. Fucking Nina. And he's like, Nina. Like, in your book club. (laughs) And I was like, oh, Nina. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Mm -hmm. Also, I saw him. Formally apologize to y'all's ears because <laughs> we be loud <laughs> and I see it on the recording. It's like breaking the barriers here. So if you're having to constantly like adjust your dial, apologies. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> My ears are getting blown the fuck out. <laughs> like, you have to laugh with us, okay? <laughs> Drown us out. <laughs> so you made a comment earlier about religion. Do you consider yourself religious still? And if so, how do you deal with a potential, like, religious guilt? That's a good question. Again, yeah. wow. First class treatment out here. Okay. okay. 
Well, why, did, why are you aiming like you made up that question? <laughs> <laughs> it's just pulled from Google. What a no, I did it. I made it. <laughs> Riley is our Google. <laughs> you know me. I avoid everything religious. I don't even want to ask questions. <laughs> well, just like you, I also avoid anything religious. Okay. Uh, no, I I would say I am no longer religious. Um, I am a big big fan of people who are still religious and also can acknowledge the ways in which their religion hurts people because I think (laughs) because I think that acknowledges uh you know critical thinking there's a lot of people that people that are religious are critical thinkers people (laughs) see people (laughs) not a fan not not a fan fan at all Danny's saying I have biases and they're gonna come out okay (laughs) no I'm just because for me personally you know I can hate on Christianity all day long da 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 whatever but I also realize that people you know existence can be hell and people need some kind of way to deal with that sure you know what I mean and I'm not going to say like if your religion doesn't hurt anybody then it's okay because honestly speaking my personal belief is that there's not a lot of religions that have nobody that they hurt um and that's just for me like having to you know I have read the bible seven times from like page one all the way to the end right <laughs> to the end of revelations like I have read every single I can name the Genesis, Genesis Exodus Leviticus numbers like I can name all of them honey right and so for me personally I'm just not uh I'm not going to say like oh all religious people are bad because I have met so many religious people that are accepting of the fact that their religion has hurt people and continues to hurt people Therefore, they have, like, left that religion, but they themselves are still religious, right? So I think, for me, personally, I am not religious, and I don't believe, personally, in organized religion. Whether it's Christianity, it doesn't matter what the religion is. I don't believe in it. Um, Because I think when you get that many people in in one group together to, you know, believe in one thing, there's always going to be extremists in, in both directions, right? So for me, if you are religious, I admire that, right? Like everybody needs something to believe in, go ahead. I personally, I am no longer religious and I would actually <laughs> hesitate to say that I ever was mm-hmm. <laughs> religious, mm-hmm. right? I would say I went to church because I had to, not because I wanted to. And as far back as I can believe in, I actually don't think I've ever believed in a God, mm-hmm. you know? And that might've been because of the way God was presented to me in the first place right like here is this um holy father that exists and da 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 and here is like lucifer and he exists in hell and for me i've always been a fan of the middle ground right Mm -hmm. so i always thought well purgatory you just exist and there's nothingness and i was like okay maybe that's what people are uncomfortable with yeah because that would be earth right like Earth would be people's purgatory. We exist and there is maybe nothing after. And that's hard for a lot of people. 100%. That's something I've said a lot was, um, I remember saying this, as I've said it before too, like in my religious community, I was very much like a black sheep in that sense. I was very much that person that was like, y'all don't make sense. You're contradicting yourselves from this verse to this verse. Like studied the shit out of it so I could bring all these like things that didn't make sense to the forefront of the Bible class and then got kicked my ass out. But um, I was just like, you know, it seems like, this god you're portraying is just a fucking narcissistic kid with an ant farm. And he's like, praise me or you're all going to burn. And it's like, well, if that thing actually does exist, that ain't somebody I want to praise. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds like a really fucked up whatever he is, mm-hmm. she is, whatever. Um, and, like, Lee's Lucifer is like, yo, this, this is how I be. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, and also the idea, you know, God created everything, but he created Satan knowing he'd fall as an angel. All that didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of loopholes in that story, too. 
but yeah, I, I agree with you too with the concept of not that this needs to get into like a super religious podcast, but the idea of people I think really struggle with the idea that they are going to do good and not be fully rewarded or mm-hmm. there's not going to be extreme punishment for doing bad. Mm-hmm. I think people need to be rewarded to do good. A lot of people, yes. they can't just do good for the sake of doing good. And that's why they need this concept of eternal heaven or mm-hmm. eternal hell. Um, and let's be honest, it's not easy being a good person all the time. Exactly. <laughs> like, let's be honest, it's, it is, you know, once I completely left my religion, I, like, there's this thing where it's like, what do people do on Sundays? <laughs> you know, like, I know what I did every single Sunday. Masturbate. So I got to point, what do people do on Sundays? And I said, oh. Baby fucking they, and drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just, it's just any other day. And I think it really is hard to be a good person. And I personally don't believe that that is based off of whether you are religious or not. Because I know women that have been raped in churches by their pastors. I oh, know I'm women sorry. that, and that's the thing about religion for me personally, is that it seemed like, from, from the research I personally have done, there doesn't seem to be a religion that exists on earth that I personally have found where if you are the woman, you've gotten the shorter end of the stick, period, point blank, period. I have not found a religion where men and women are equal. I have not found a religion where uh, women are higher on the pedestal than men are. And I'm not saying that has to exist. I'm just saying, what does it say about our society where every religion I find um men are held up at the top, right? Mm. And why does it have to exist that way is my question because there are so many relationships that don't fit that, right? Like, oh, men have to be the breadwinner. What does that What does that have to fit in with, you know, there being a God, right? There are people who are, like, if your husband's in a wheelchair and you are the major breadwinner, does that mean you all of a sudden don't belong in this religion? No, right? So yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of arbitrary rules that humans have set on uh, religions like, it's so funny because I read the Quran when I was trying to figure out, should I stay in Christianity? And the Quran itself, A, beautifully written. Like, it reads like fucking poetry. It's actually very nice. But B, there's a lot of things in Islam. And by the way, I'm not Muslim, so I'm not going to pretend to speak on behalf of Muslims. There are a lot of things in Islam where, oh my gosh, women have so many rights. <laughs> like, like in Islam, they have so many fucking rights. And the way that we portray it is like, they're shackled and they're not like that all this stuff right and I think that comes from a lack of understanding and all that but when I was exploring all these different religions I'm oh my gosh women have these all these things Uh, in Christianity wow actually women women ain't shit (laughs) when you read the bible it's like it says a lot of things about what women can and can't have or can and can't do whatever but then when you bring mankind into it the way people humans interpret that text is really really different and so you get extremists in both directions right you get people that are like women have to stay home and cook it doesn't say that in the bible yeah. And I've read yeah. that bitch seven times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't say that at all, right? Yeah. So I know in some religions, like women get extra time off or extra care when they're going through their like periods because it's seen as a really powerful time and yes. like women are taken care of. And like here, at least in like the Western world, a lot of men are like, ew. It's a punishment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that I think it's like uh, Judaism. Uh, or if you're an Orthodox Jew, I think it's like when women are on their period, their husbands can't touch them. Yeah. And women like sleep in a completely separate bed. And I'm like, that sounds great. <gasps> yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. I mean? That's definitely not, not for the women. I've literally, and, and, but yeah. here's the thing, right? It's like, 
there's something to be said about the fact that, like, you probably don't want to have sex when you're on your period. You probably don't want to be touched. You're like, girl, I want to be humping all damn down my period. Oh, Push that blood right the fuck out of me. I can't be like that. I love it. Just when you said, like, uh, Earth is, like, purgatory, mm-hmm. all I thought about was um, the good place. Where the they're place. like, this is the bad place. Yes. <laughs> this is the bad place. And that's how I felt coming out of religion. I, I, you know, came out, and then I looked back at the religion I was in, and I was like, that was the bad place. That was the place I didn't like. You know? <laughs> Y'all tricked me. Y'all tricked okay, me. speaking of how terrible religious people are, your family, no, your family, your family's still religious. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes. Um, most of my family is still religious, I would say. I come from a very religious culture as well. And I think that's really hard for a lot of people to let go of. And that's, I think for me personally, that's why I have a hard time separating religion from people because obviously I can see that my parents are good people. And it's actually so funny because I've seen my, the religion that my parents belong to is very anti-LGBTQIA and slowly but surely they have started, you know, I guess it's okay if you do this but not that. But I guess it's okay if you do this but not that. And to me, that just sounds like they're trying to retain as many, you know, (laughs) like people in their church as possible, right? I'm like, why was it not okay 10 years ago but all of a sudden you've switched your tune on it, right? Mm -hmm. All this stuff. But it's really interesting because um, one of my first roommates ever, we were in college together and he is, you know, a flaming homosexual and we didn't have a place to stay. And, you know, he came out to apartment hunt with me before college started because we were roommates. And, you know, I went to my parents and I was like, hey, we're going to stay here, you know, at your house for a while while he apartment hunts. And they welcomed him with open arms. They welcomed him with flowers and roses, like everything, you know, they gave him his own room, like all this stuff. They were the peak of hospitality. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, my gosh, but they're homophobic. Like they do not believe that, you know, gay people should be gay or like choose to be gay or whatever the fuck right that's my parents' personal beliefs but the way they treated my friend was very like you would never in a million years think that they not going to say are or were homophobic but the way that they were like well you're just human being like anybody else we don't believe in your quote quote lifestyle that's what they (laughs) think right Right? exactly but at the same time they did they were like they went above and beyond to make sure he was comfortable right and in my mind that's like why can't you be like that, you know, with your religion? Like, why can't your religion yeah. do that and not think about, like, oh, this person's lifestyle I don't agree with, right? I don't agree with people smoking, and I'd rather they didn't smoke in my house. But, you know, people choose to smoke. People don't choose to be gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, it depends on your religion, I guess, if you think that or not. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of not agreeing with a lifestyle and to bring it back to sex work, uh, have you had that conversation with your family? Do they know you're a sex worker? If you have, how did that conversation go? And if you haven't, how do you foresee that conversation going? Uh, I would say, um, I don't think I would probably tell my parents just like my sex life in general, whether Mm -hmm. that was with work or not. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it would ever come up, you know, like there's, there's a lot of things that like, I don't ask my parents about their sex life. So they don't ask about my sex life. And whether that involves like work or not, they, Mm. I personally don't think they ever want to hear about how I'm fucking or who I be fucking. Do you know what I mean? And you know, in the same way that I'm not going to ask my parents about their kinks, I don't think they're ever going to ask me about my kinks or anything like that. Um, So 
it's not even like would it ever come up it's just like i i don't think there would ever even be an opportunity for it to come up do you know what i mean do they ever ask what you do for work or well because so i do have uh like a lot of online businesses that i also run right so for me personally, it is about uh, <laughs> making sure that you have multiple streams of income, you know, like diversify your portfolio, ladies, you know, yeah. but um, it's, it's more like I make very good money regardless of whether I was doing sex work or not. Right. Um, and I'm a very entrepreneurial woman anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if they ask what I do for a living, like they know about my online businesses and they know that I also have like a regular day job that I go to, you know, like a walking, breathing human being. Um, yeah. And there's nothing other than that. They, they know I'm a very aspirational woman. And so they know that like, I have all these different businesses going on because I want to own property and I want to buy this and I want to buy that and everything. And so I think to them, it's mostly, they know I make good money online and I, I think that's that. Yeah. Um, speaking of being an awesome woman, <laughs> you're both a black woman and mid to plus size. Mm-hmm. Do you think that impacts your experience working in the sex industry in either a positive or negative way? And how so? I think it definitely does affect how, like me being in the uh, sex work industry. We we live in a city that has a lot of um, skinny women, I'm going to say. Uh, you know, and whenever I have you know dom clients uh overseas i'll say i'm not gonna name any specific countries for illegal reasons Mm -hmm. (laughs) but whenever i go overseas if i'm in a place that has um let's just say people that are more obese you know places that might have bigger people in general and even sex workers just people are bigger I tend to feel like I am the size zero you know whenever I go other places I tend to feel like I am the skinny one Mm -hmm. and I do find that in those places I make a lot more money because I think people have I, I personally my body is like really shapely I have big boobs I have a huge ass and you know my waist Amen. is like <laughs> and I have you know a small waist and so I think a lot of people uh really really like how my body is shaped and whenever I work in in Canada I'll say um it is a little bit more of a struggle because we the sex workers that I know and the circles that I run in I would say I am the biggest person period. You know, like I would say like nobody is fatter than me and I wouldn't even consider myself fat. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so whenever I use like mid to plus size, it's always so funny because I will use that about myself and then I will go to other places and I will think, oh, that's actually a fat person. Like that's Mm -hmm. actually a a BBW. That's actually a a plus size sex worker. So it's really interesting because for me, depending on where I am, if I'm working here, I am plus size. When I go somewhere where people are generally bigger than me, I'm considered mid-size, right? Mm-hmm. And when I started sex work, I was actually, um, I'd say, like a size six to eight, right? But mm-hmm. I still had a huge ass. So because I've worked at every size, I would say, uh, you know, when I started sex work, like I said, I was, I was pretty, um, I'm not going to say petite, but, you know, uh, size eight. It has been interesting. I'd say I used to make more money back then in the city that I currently work in. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it's very different because that's for dancing. That's specific to me stripping. Mm. With massage, it truly, I, I haven't seen a dip at all. Like people do not care. They're just, you know, see a beautiful woman. And with doming, uh, people don't care. They just see a beautiful woman. So I think I'd say kink has been a lot more 
friendly of <laughs> my weight gain, you know, post stopping uh, birth control. And I'm a lot more muscular actually now at my midsize than I was when I used to be more petite. So it really is, I, I don't want to say like it's a battle, but I would say I do make less money now than I did when I was skinnier. Mm -hmm. But that's specific to stripping and not doming or massage. Do you think that could also be because uh, stripping is very um, dancer dancer focused as opposed to doming and massage is more client focused? I'd say so. Yes, actually. And I think it's also because, you know, nobody likes to admit it, but I think it would be you know, remiss for us not to mention that, you know, I am a black sex worker and I am a black sex worker that is a little bit on the heavier side. And even when I was making the biggest amount of money that I was making in my life back when I was a size eight, um, and right now I'm, you know, like a, a size, I'd say like 12, 10, 12, depending mm -hmm. on the month. <laughs> um, but I would say, you know, the city that I live in specifically, there aren't a lot of uh, black women and when I go places where there are a lot of black people in general uh, people really really tend to not notice that I'm black like I know that sounds weird to say but when you're surrounded by like a specific group of people it stops being weird or interesting of course, that they're there if you're you really a crowd of women as opposed to exactly. a single woman, a crowd of men exactly like, yeah. it just it stops being like new or anything so mm -hmm. people see me as the sexual, sexy sex worker that I am, my voluptuous body versus when I'm here, it would have to be like a bit, somebody that is either like, oh, I really love your boobs and I have a fetish about black women. Like every time I, <laughs> every time I go uh, dancing, every time I go to the club and, you know, I, I go, um, every time I'm at work stripping, there's always some person that mentions, oh, I love black women. And it, has never not come up. <laughs> oh, I love black women. I have a fetish about black women, da, 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 all this stuff. And then that generally doesn't happen when I dance in other places that have other just black people existing. So yeah, I would say being, you know, mid to plus size and being black, um, a lot of people don't see you as like the ideal woman and people want to project their fantasy on you, right? So obviously I'm not a tall blonde bombshell or anything like that. And I think that does hinder my chances. Oh, and also I don't have very long hair and I can guarantee you, because obviously we're, we're talking about money and we're talking about like how much money I make as a, you know, bigger black sex worker. The first time I ever got a weave in my whole life, right? I, I rock an Afro seven days of the week. The first time in my life I ever got a weave it was just like, oh, I've never had this before. Why don't I try it? I got my weave done and I said, oh, I might as well go into work today. And that's the first night I ever broke 2K. And yeah. that was like such a weirdly depressing and happy night for me because mm -hmm. I was like, wow, I could have been making 2K consistently if I just had, and it was just like black straight hair that mm -hmm. was like halfway down my back. That was the weave. And I didn't even do it for work. I did it because I was about to go on vacation and I was like, it's cold and I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to deal with my hair when it's cold, right? Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of work, especially on vacation. I was gone for, you know, two weeks. I don't want to deal with my hair for two weeks, yeah. right? So that was kind of a depressing realization that, oh, wow, like there was literally nothing wrong with me. And then I got a weave and men were just like lapping it up. Yeah. How do you kind of navigate both the racism Especially like in, in the westernized ideal of a woman kind of like contradicting 
to the like fetishization of black women? Like how do you deal with all of that? Do you feel like you, I guess, I mean, I can't, obviously can't speak on this, but I'm assuming there's some sort of like cognitive uh, dissonance between like wanting to monetize the fetishization and the racism that's in the community, but then also, I, yeah, I mean, how do I guess, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I guess, like, <laughs> I how think the question is, how do you exist as a black sex worker? <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, 100%. Like, I, again, like, I can't speak on it either. I'm very white passing. And I, when you're saying, you know, I stand out as a woman of color in the industry, especially, you know, a mid to plus size woman of color, um, like you're saying, there's that fetishization, which I mean, it could be a positive thing in the sense where it's like, you're getting attention and they want to, yeah. you know, purchase your services for that reason. But then you also get the racism of people not wanting to purchase your services for that reason. Um, how, how's that experience been? I think, so there's something where... I, my personal belief about how I should be treated, you know, outside of work, regardless of that, that's sex work or, you know, whenever I, I used to have an office job, my personal belief is like, you got to talk to me nice. You got to play with me nice. You have to be nice to me. And that's like my base baseline for, like, yeah. for yeah. any relationship in general. Like that's my, with friendships and anything. And I think that's because it's like, well, I do exist in the world just exists as a black woman right so it's like I already have enough of the world in my ear I already have like enough of that so whenever whenever people meet my partner they're actually like wow he's so sweet and like he treats you so nicely and I'm like yes but to be honest I wouldn't have it any other way (laughs) like the way my heart is set up like I cannot be with somebody that would ever like raise their voice at me somebody that would ever like be aggressive with me because I'm like you know what it's already hard enough for me to exist, right? I cannot yeah. have you make it harder for me to, like, come home. Like, you got to be nice to me. You got to, yeah, you got to treat me something. You got to be nice. Um, and that's in all my relationships, right? That being said, specifically in sex work, you could be the most racist motherfucker on earth. Honey, I will take your money. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's so many men where they'll be like, oh, like, this happens in, um, Vancouver actually a lot because I don't know if you guys know I don't know if your listeners know but Vancouver has a lot of Asian people that live there and, and like so, two black people and to, two black people <laughs> it's a lot of white people it's a lot of Asians and then like two black people um and I say Asians like specifically like there's not like a large portion of like Vietnamese Chinese Japanese girl like, it's not any one specific yeah. you know nationality of people or ethnicity of people so the club that I work at, obviously we get a lot of Asian people that come in there Mm -hmm. and I will see this over and over again where, you know, I'll walk up to like a group of like Asian men and be like, Oh no, no, thank you. No, thank you. But they'll get dances with like, you know, uh, like literally, literally anybody white, like Mm -hmm. she could look like trash and they'd go, you know what I mean? And that's like a weird racism. And I I just turn away. I I keep it moving, but I always make sure I come back because I will like talk my way into like getting somebody to dance there right and I don't care about your like internalized racism I don't care about your internalized whatever it is not my job to fix you Mm -hmm. sir right so the thing that I know for a fact that I can say is every time I take um and this is specific to Asians uh, in Vancouver every time there's an Asian guy who's with his buddies I will always find like one of his buddies to pay for a lap dance for the main guy right if it's a bachelor party for the bachelor whatever and every time without fail we'll go to the back and I'll ask how they're doing I'll ask what their day is and I will say 90 I'm going to say 97 percent of the time right these Asian guys will admit to me I've never been with a black woman I've always been so curious oh, okay so this means <laughs> oh, I have 
you know, typically arms, legs. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, these are the appendages I have. Yeah, yeah. Toes, you yeah, know, like literally Look same at my fingers. every other. Yeah, like. <laughs> exactly. And it's interesting to me because it happens, like I said, like 90, 97% of the time with Asian guys. And they end up going for way more than one dance. And it says something that they are able to tell me in secret when their friends aren't around that they actually do find me attractive. Of course you do. I've got great tits. I've got a huge ass. I've got a tiny waist. And uh, yeah, I'm a fucking 10. Like my face looks gorgeous, right? So it's always so weird to to approach men who think that I don't look hot at knowing that I look damn fine. And it's a weird, you're right, like Riley, it's a cognitive dissonance where I'm like, I know I look hot. And I know that you know I look hot because I see you checking me out. It's weird that you don't want to go for a lap dance, but it's weird that once you're in the lap dance, you're not coming out for the hour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So for me personally, the way I, I'm not going to say like deal with the racism or handle it is I know damn well that people find me attractive. Mm-hmm. Right? But I also know damn well, like for my peace of mind and for my heart, it is not, not my job to fix your internalized racism. Mm-hmm. And it is like I will it costs a lot more for you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm going to charge you if you're going to try and do that. Um, There's a lot of that that happens at the club. And then when it's like an older white guy, I'll get a lot of, um, I dated a black woman back when I was 19, like confession. In the 1920s. Yeah. In 19, you know, like in 1963, I dated a black woman and I loved her, whatever it is. <laughs> and, uh, and again, you know, those people go to the back and again, they stay for an hour because we talk in all that jazz. And it's just really weird and interesting that that is a thing. And I know it's a thing. So I personally, I cannot be too bothered about it because like guaranteed racist men pay me the most. And it sucks to say, but I am so much more willing to take your money when I know you're racist. And people say like, oh my gosh, how could you do a dance for that guy? He literally said that you look like that. And I'm like, oh, I don't care because I know for a fact that as soon as I get him to the back, I'm leaving with his life savings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know for a fact that when I get him to the back, he's going to spend a thousand on me and I'm going to make him spend a thousand on me. I know there's a lot of internalized racism that he's going through, but I know for a fact that when we get to the back and I tell him to lick my toe and get on his knee, he's going to be a little dog laughing it up. Yeah. And that's how the mind of a lot of racists work, right? Yeah. You're hiding your attraction because this or whatever. That's not every racist. <laughs> I want to make sure that's clear. That's not everybody that, you know, has hateful intentions. Mm-hmm. But in my personal experience, the people that bark the loudest are the ones that will drink your piss in 3.5 seconds yeah I guess this might be like a stupid question um but is there a point where is fetishization always racism or is it a preference or is like an appreciation do you mean like where does that kind of line blur does that make sense yeah there's actually you know I think if you ask different people they're going to say different things because it's so personal like it really depends on you. I think, <laughs> I think like in sex work, it would be so dumb of me to be like, I don't want to be fetishized. Do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. would be so stupid of me to say, because I'm ignoring the fact that like, what I'm saying when I say I don't want to be fetishized, and this is me personally, I don't want anybody else. I don't want your listeners to be like, well, that's not how I feel. Because yeah, you know, black people aren't a monolith. So the way I feel as a black fat sex worker isn't going to be the way other people feel. But me personally, it would be so ironic to be like, I don't want to be fetishized knowing damn well that just existing in sex work, that statement for me just means I want to be treated like every other sex worker, knowing that every other sex worker also has fantasies projected onto them, right? There's a reason that like, girls dye their hair blonde, 
when really their hair is like like a really dark why are you coming at me (laughs) (laughs) well the reason I say it is because it's like you see the way like people project like I want a blonde bombshell okay Mm -hmm. sure I want to be you know that blonde bombshell because you know people are projecting the fantasies onto you right Mm -hmm. that's the whole thing about sex work is I've never been with a redhead I've never been with a blonde I love big tits I love all these like preferences and if race happens to be a preference of somebody's again I'm not going to do that work of breaking down their internalized anything mm-hmm. right I, I personally don't care so it would be weird for me to be like oh he only likes me because I'm black when I could say oh my god he loves me because I'm black he mm-hmm. loves this fat ass <laughs> you know what I mean and so there's like there's so many lines and there's if you're a sieve and you're out there dating in the real world I would never date a person with who has a fetish for black women Mm. right but I'm not gonna say no when you, like you're giving me money and you have a black fetish why would I say that because honestly speaking that's kind of the place that you should you should express that sure like if you have a black fetish and you need to tell someone black like a black woman you should do it when <laughs> you're paying her you know what I mean sure why not um and like regarding preferences I think a lot of people use preferences as a way to hide their racism and a lot of regular civilian dating you know what I mean? They'd be like, I only like black people. That's my preference. I only like white people. That's my preference. I prefer Asian women. And usually what happens is there's just an underlying asterisk about what people are saying with that. So what I personally found is when white men say, I prefer Asian women, the asterisk, mm-hmm, the asterisk is I prefer submissive women. 100%. Right? And that is like... Girl, I grew up with a lot of Asian women. I went to high school with a lot of Asian girls, and they are like the last thing from submissive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. so outspoken and they're so strong, and they stand up for themselves. Like it's it's this weird misconception, right? So there's always like a little asterisk. I personally find when people say I prefer, especially when it's white men, I prefer uh, white women. The asterisk usually for me is because you assume that they are less drama because you assume that other ethnicities have drama with them, Mm -hmm. right? When in reality, that's not the case with anybody. I've seen a lot of white girls that I work with that are the epitome of drama. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they will bring their issues into everything. And uh, I have seen a lot of people that will asterisk, you know, I prefer dating black women, right? And then it's like, okay, what does that asterisk mean? Especially when it's coming from a black man. Why do you prefer dating white women as a black man? What does that mean about you not finding women that look like your mother attractive, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of like, but all those things, I'm not going to ask you about that when I'm in sex work. You know, I'm not your therapist. I don't care. So for me, it's like, if I had the energy to care, and if I had the energy, if I was being paid money to care about your like internalized feelings about things, I would. But you're not paying me enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. I uh, do you remember the drama that went on through TikTok because three white women were um, talking about how they only want to date black men, mm-hmm. how they have a, as you said, quote unquote preference mm-hmm. for black men. And it was like in the height of like Black Lives Matter. And it's just <laughs> yeah. like. And there were an, white women or black women? They, they were three, three white, white women. women. And it was mm-hmm. just such an ode to the fact that like, first of all, women are definitely not. Uh, innocent of this mm-hmm. there is a huge fetishization mm-hmm. of like all cultures yeah. especially oh, amongst yeah. women and like, we're, we're looking at you well. non-binary people you're not exempt but yeah I um I think that that really put it I mean it should have before but I think that really puts it into perspective of like 
fetishization as a part of racism Mm -hmm. because like just as you were saying like there I feel like there is always an asterisk Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's always an asterisk and I don't think like you know how we when we were talking about religion we mentioned how we mentioned how like existence is painful and sometimes people need something to believe in like that that kind of damn this episode's heavy (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not sorry (laughs) existence dread (laughs) y'all gonna die (laughs) but the way we talked about you know like people some people need religion uh in that same way I personally feel like introspection is not something that like 90% of people do like once you you know critical thinking and introspection it's just like why would you if you don't have to, right? You mm-hmm. can just exist in the world without ever thinking about like your own perceived prejudices or mm-hmm. without ever having to think about your own biases. Like you can exist like that, especially as a white person mm-hmm. and especially yeah. as a white man. You never oh, have God. to do introspection. White cis white male, you just live your best life. Best, right? <laughs> so then, you know, when, when we're talking about like these systems of like who gets to say what is attractive or not, this is something that I wanted to bring up earlier uh, when we were talking about like how 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 is it being a, a black, um, like fat sex worker? European men will pay me thousands of dollars to hang out, to go for coffee with them, to get dinner with them. And I, there's some weird, stop dying. <laughs> <laughs> there's some weird thing there that I, I personally can't explain, but there is like, Norwegian men find me so attractive. I'm sure I'm cute or whatever, but they're always like so tall and I'm like, hey, and they find me so attractive and I don't know what that's about, but maybe it's because they're truly surrounded by like tall blonde women all the time. So they're like, I need something different. Right. Mm. And for me, I don't know if that's fetish. I don't know if that's a fetish or I don't know if that's, uh, you know, them exploring something new. But what I will say is there's a different history of racism when it comes to Europeans, right? And there's Mm. a different uh, history of racism when it comes to the British and then you move on Mm. to North America. Mm -hmm. And Mm. I will say that the way Europe has a relationship with Africa, like Europeans really tend to like like African women. Mm. I don't know what that's about. It could also be a very cultural thing because, you know colonials and all that jazz but I personally find that like if white men don't like me in Vancouver it sure that's one thing and then I go on vacation to Europe and I go on vacation not as a sex worker I'm on vacation and men will offer to take me out and pay me just to be in my presence and they don't know I'm a sex worker I'm just on vacation right Mm -hmm. so it's so funny but I like to say like my two-week trip to Europe I made more money than I spend you know like I took I had a budget and I was like this is how much money I want to spend in my two weeks and I came back to Canada with more money than I left with and that's just from people being like you know you're so beautiful you're so hot all these things and I'm like that's interesting why are European men like that and they're white and Mm -hmm. then there's men in Canada or the states and you know there's white men there as well and it's interesting to see what is and isn't attractive to different people and what people tend to cherry pick and choose Mm -hmm. right I wonder if, like, I've just noticed being having any native blood in you is not a selling feature um, here in mm-hmm. Vancouver. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, you look, you know, uh, Colombian. You look, mm-hmm. I get Asian a lot. Like, and I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, this mix. And they're like, oh, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't look it, which is like a compliment, yeah. as they say it. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't look like you're that. Oh, don't worry. If, like, you don't look like those people. Yeah. yeah. You don't look Jeez. like a native girl. Thank God. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, cool, 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 yeah. cool. Um, anyway, so I wonder if, that is a selling feature in other places. And mm-hmm. people just hate on Native women in Vancouver. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Something that you said before was that 
racism looks different in other like continents and countries Mm -hmm. is it's been a huge learning experience for me moving from um, Australia, uh, like a New Zealand type of area where we, um, you know, have uh, our, you know, we have Maori people and uh, in Australia, we have the Australian indigenous people. Um, And it's been interesting having to basically relearn even some of my vocabulary that was just a normal part of my day because it means something here Mm. or it was carried over to that part of the world without the same connotation. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's been, it's honestly, there's been some things that I've said that I've now learned is like not okay. I mean, it's not okay, but Mm -hmm. it's especially not okay in North America. And so, Yeah. yeah, as a white person traveling from a country where like, no one would really think twice yes. about that because we don't have the same history mm-hmm. is like now, like, yeah, I'm having to like, I mean, I'm working to change my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And it's so and, interesting. And, like, and I just want to clarify, you're not saying because they think differently there because they don't care about racism. No, you no, are. No, it's because no. they don't have the same maybe history. roots like, of racism. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. The yeah. first time I was watching a, I think it's like an Australian comedy show and they had what I would consider indigenous people, but in the show they called them black I, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I mm-hmm. never, I personally wouldn't have been like, those are black people. Do you know what I mean? But in the show, they were referring to these like Aboriginal people yeah. as black in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, are Aboriginal people black in Australia? <laughs> like I had this thought and, and I was like, whoa, interesting, <laughs> you know? And I was like, if I, if I went on vacation in Australia and somebody was like, oh, we, like personally, I like to find black people wherever I go because, <laughs> because then I can, like, I just, I like having like an existing base for like, all right, like black people be here. Great. I'm gonna go, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like who all gonna be there? Okay. <laughs> Who's gonna be at the party? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it would have been interesting for me if I was in Australia and like, let's say I looked up you know, to join a Facebook group to be like, uh, you know, black people in I'm there, you're like, what you the <laughs> And then I show up and then they're like, what are you doing here? To be like, I'm looking for black people. And they're like, well, we're black. And I'd be like, you know, that Spider-Man yeah. thing where I'm like, wait a minute, you're black because I'm black, right? I just imagine you open the door. I'm like, hey, Nina. You're like, what the hell? I'm like, these are my black people. What are you doing here, right? So it's, it's so interesting. Yeah, I think that's what you mean, right? Like it's... That's exactly it. And yeah. I wonder if we have other words or sayings that we would like never say in you know Australasia type of area because that has racist roots for us and I mean I feel like it's different now post um internet because if you can't figure out on the internet if something you say has racist roots then like you don't <laughs> know how to do it come on you know yeah. but yeah, yeah it's it's definitely like some things that I have I just I would have no idea mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. and I think you know you're right it's not that we don't care it's not that we don't know about like that type Race, of racism, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. It's just because like it doesn't carry the same weight. Yeah, and it's same, so far removed. You know, like yeah. it's like how would I know about what is racist and not racist to say in Australia? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And there's also to, to bring it back to Europe and to European men. Uh, if when I'm in Europe, not if I'm in Europe, I'm there all. When I'm in Europe, you know, men will be like, "Oh, where are you from?" Or da da da. In Vancouver, I tell people that I am half, and then. 
and your listeners are gonna fucking hate that I do this, and you might get hate mail for it. Thank but you. But I don't give a fuck, and I already told y'all, all right, to get the bag, I will lie straight to your face, okay? <laughs> so whenever Asian men are at the club, they are so much more likely to come to the club if they think that I am mixed with a type of Asian that they associate mm-hmm. with. Yeah. And first of all, I'm not gonna have anybody say me hate mail because take a look at yourself. What does that mean about you that mm-hmm. you will only go for a dance with me if you think that I am half Asian? Yeah. Right? Because that means that there's an absence of full blackness. So you know, think about your damn self before you write in a little hater mail. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, I'll get Vietnamese men that come in, let's say, and they'll be like, you know, oh my gosh, where are you from? And I'd be like, actually, I'm a quarter Vietnamese. My mom was, uh, my mom's mom was Vietnamese. Mm. She's not. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to make that clear. She's not. And they'd be like, oh, really? And then they, and then they'd be like, oh, I can see it. Sorry, you're not seeing anything that exists. And it's the same for Japanese men. It's the same for Korean men. It's the same for Thai men. It's the same for Chinese men. Does not matter. Okay. Um, or people will be like, and I always make it like, not my mom, but my grandma, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So they don't ask you know? too many questions. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they'd be like, but you don't look half. But it's like, oh, but it could pass as, what, a quarter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whenever I go to, so that's how, you know, I, I make my bag in, in Vancouver. When I'm in Europe, when I'm in Europe, men will ask me where I'm from. And I won't tell them that I'm from Canada, actually. I'll tell them that I'm from Africa. I'll give them, like, an African mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but European men like African women and mm. don't like African American women. Okay, nobody like Americans. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing, right? It's, it's the American part. It's like the American yeah, part. It's like where we're both black, right? But like it's like you as a European white man, what are your preconceived notions about African American women? Yeah. What yeah, is that? You know what I mean? It's like what what are your preconceived notions? Like do you think if I said I was American, would you think that I'm ghetto all of a sudden, even though we've been having a conversation for the past five minutes? Yeah. And like why would you think I'm ghetto for being from America if I wasn't quote, quote, ghetto to you until now, right? So with European men, I'm always like, oh, this is where, like, my family's from, but I moved around a lot, and I live in Canada now, and da-da-da. And they're like, oh, worldly chick, fuck me now, you know? (laughs) Like, European men are like that. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I remember one time, like, yeah, I don't drink at work. I'm pretty, like, sober in my personal life, too. And I remember, like, usually... If I have to fake it at a party, I will. But a lot of times I just will have my Red Bull and whatever. And I remember someone guessing my ethnicity. And I told them what my mix was. And they're like, oh, is that why you don't drink? I was like, oh, my God. Want to slap you now. Um, I was like, sorry? <laughs> Come again? Um, I see the racism. Yeah. <laughs> um, that we're all alcoholics and drink uh-huh. like drink gasoline or whatever the fuck you think. Um, but what you said there about, um, you know, passing as Asian because that's what they want you to pass as. Um, that's something that we spoke with Kat Hollis about because um, it's something I've talked to people before. And people come to me saying, oh, are you half Persian? Are you half mm-hmm. Colombian? Are you half this? I have this internal struggle of, okay, should I just say I am because it's clearly what they're most attracted to mm-hmm. and it helps like secure my bag mm-hmm. or am I now um, kind of like disrespectfully taking on someone else's identity that I don't, that I don't deserve or, you know, um, capitalizing on fetishization of another culture that mm-hmm. I haven't earned, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I have this internal struggle of like, is that wrong of me to be like, sure, I'm this because I know I have literally not men a single person when I'm like, this is my mix. And they're like, oh, I love Native women. That mm-hmm. is not the response I get. Mm-hmm. So I think the question you're asking is, is it wrong of me to tell men who are assuming that I am whiter than I am, that I am not actually fully white? 
Mm-hmm. After that, I say, no, <laughs> you know, you know why, <laughs> you know why, because the cultures that they're assuming that you are, are in the place, like they're white, you know, yeah. and there's no other nice way to say it. People aren't assuming that you are what they consider to be something that's not attractive, right? Yeah. Like native women are fucking hot as fuck, right? But, but in their minds, right, they're going to be like, my fantasy is what I want you to be. Yeah. So they're not going to ask you. Are you from the indigenous tribe in South Africa? They're not going to ask you that. They're going yeah. to say, uh, "Are you a Romanian?" Because in their minds, they have dreams of a Romanian Gypsy hooker, women, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. Gypsy women. Like people, like when I tell people that I am African, right? And mm. I don't even give them specific places. If I'm just like, "Yeah, I'm from Africa," they'd be like. The fact that they don't ask where in Africa tells mm-hmm. me enough, right? Mm-hmm. Men will hear, yeah, I'm I'm African, right? Once I'm already in the dance with them because fuck it, I already have your money. I'd be like, I, I'm African. And they'd be like, oh, I've never been with an African woman before. And then I'd be like, yeah, I have headdresses at home. And like, ah! I learned how to beat drums when I was a kid. Because that is the image. That's what they want. That they, yeah. That's what they want, right? And to me personally, I'm the business of selling you a fantasy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I am yeah. not in the business of selling you my heart. I'm not in the business of selling you my life story. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the business of telling, you know, changing your mind about anything. So... Again, like, you know, your listeners might hate me for this. I do not give a fuck if somebody assumes that I am X, Y, and Z. Sure, babe. Yeah. I am X, Y, and Z. You know why? Because I'm never going to see you again. And I'm not in the business of trying to change your mind radically in the two minutes that we have for me to do a dance for you. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to sit here and be your therapist. Absolutely not. Maybe I'll start, like, whenever people guess Persian, Asian, whatever they guess. Maybe I'll just be like, oh, my God, I am. And then see what the response is and do like my own little like mm-hmm. study on yeah the I mean like I the mean, whole lying thing my personal belief again is a you don't owe anybody the truth and also b let's be completely honest here Danica you are not the prime minister of Canada so you're not in a <laughs> position where telling that lie is going to affect people in a detrimental way like, do you know what I mean rock the world like, yeah. like, think about that lie for a second like think about you're at the club and yeah. somebody comes over and says are you Persian and then you say why yes <laughs> is it gonna like do you know what I mean like I'm gonna the, die the walls start crumbling yeah. Yeah. yes it affects their life in no way shape the portal or form, to hell right? opens up yeah. <laughs> all that happens is they say oh I hate Persian women actually <laughs> like I hate these bitches yeah. like, or or they say I love Persian women can I go for a dance with you you do a dance with no, them you know what happens and, they start singing know? Farsi to me and I'm like Oh, shit. <laughs> and then you say, oh, I'm sorry. No, my grandparents were Persian. It's just, I actually don't speak Farsi. Yeah. The end, you know? Like, people have tried to speak Vietnamese to me. And they'd be like, oh, I don't understand. And you know what they fucking say? They say, oh, your grandmother should have taught you. And yeah, I'm yeah, like, she should have been. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, can you teach me in the back room? I really want to learn how to say, like, how to suck cock in Vietnamese. Sure, babe. Like, whatever you want. Because at the end of the day... This lie hurts nobody. <laughs> Not a single person was hurt because of this lie. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I'm mostly staying the fuck out of this conversation. <laughs> I'm very white and I, and no one has ever mistaken me for anything but white. Um, like, they must say you were being Australian, actually. That's true. But, and I know that hurts your feelings. <laughs> well, even something like that. Um, but just like from a sort of critical point of view, I feel like, Maybe it's less harmful to be like, yes, and, as in like a a sort of impromptu, like fantasy role-playing kind of way. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, we do in some private party groups have a specific request for X 
Y and Z, mm-hmm. oh, uh, yes, yes. you know, mm-hmm. ethnicities or races. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at the point that like, it really does start hurting people is when you start yes. applying for those gigs mm-hmm. under the false pretenses that you are this and mm-hmm. taking away from it. other yeah. women. Yeah, yes. 110%. No, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I agree with what you said, Nina, about we are selling a fantasy. And if that person's fantasy is that I'm a Persian woman, then I think it should be okay. I'm still battling with internally that being okay, but it should be okay for me to say, okay, sure, yeah, I am that. But I do agree with you, Riley, when there is a request for, um, it's most commonly Asian women, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Or Latina um, women. Or Latina. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh, we, no, we have three Asian women for Saturday night. And then mm-hmm. you see girls being like, I could pass for Asian. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that is yeah. um, when you need to step back and say, you know what, this is a space for these women to have an opportunity to make money and you are now – Taking that, taking that from it. Yeah. And I think, see, again, with, like, does this lie hurt anybody? That lie directly takes money out of the uh, takes money out of the pockets of sex workers mm-hmm. that are already, um, I'm not going to say already at a disadvantage. I'm not going to say that because, like, I don't know how much money you'd be making. But I know for a fact that me working in Vancouver as a, a big black woman, I'm at an extreme disadvantage. Mm. Am I going to blame other women for being skinny and white? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because um, we exist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're just living our lives. Yeah. Um, you cannot blame people for existing, obviously. But what I mean is, you know, like, in the situations, I also want to point out that, like, I like your example of if somebody specifically requested for, like, Persian women. But in my personal life, I have never once seen a party where people requested a specific type of white. I have only no, seen no. people requests we want petite. Petite. Yeah, petite we want, we white, want yeah. petite or we want blondes or we yeah. want brunettes mm-hmm. and that that doesn't matter on where in the world you're from you could you could be fucking you know like a white woman from brazil because mm-hmm. brazil is very like multicultural you be a white woman from brazil with blonde hair right so you're yeah. brazilian but yeah. they ask specifically for but then at the same time you're brazilian and then what happens if somebody says i'm looking for latina women right mm-hmm. and then again because you're you know brazilian you could oh sorry no they speak Portuguese in Brazil. Never mind. But if they're like, we yeah. want somebody Latina, they're not thinking like, oh, only from places that, you know, they don't, they basically, basically yeah, Spanish, they're literally yeah. just like south of the border, right? That's like their mentality, the uh, men that are booking. So what I'm trying to say is like, you as the white Brazilian woman could apply, mm-hmm. but at the same time is like, is that what they're looking for? And I think it's because the men don't know what they're looking for and don't no. know how to ask. Mm-hmm. Do you want a black woman? Do you want somebody who's Hispanic that is white, right? White Hispanic people exist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're out here. Like, people forget that you could be a black Latina, you could be, you know, a white Latina. Like, people forget these things. All they see is, like, Sofia Vergara. Exactly. So when you're asking for, like, uh, when you're asking for, like, oh, we want specific ethnicity okay but like specify because yeah anybody what look could be this yeah, yeah, you, know I mean? you know what i take back everything i said i'm selling, <laughs> selling out the day they ask for australian woman <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like, you want like, australia you know what you could do you could arrive and say hello you're you wanted australian women and then you like my scottish client <laughs> Do a really good Australian accent for me. Honestly, I just like I feel like if I speak normally, well, they know the difference. Um, (laughs) Can we also exploit? Can I exploit this time now to have your Canadian accent, please? Finally, absolutely not. (laughs) I've been trying for so long. I'm 
honestly, can you imagine men being like, we only want Canadian girls? Yeah. And it's like, what does that hey, mean? Hey, where my name bitches like? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> what do you mean, sir? Yeah. So in those situations, like when you were like, you know, if somebody asked for Persian women and, you know, non-Persian showed up or whatever, the only situation I could see that in is if the people that are booking are Persian and they would just like to be you know, surrounded by people that are, like, that they culturally, are culturally, yeah, yeah. like, same or, you know, uh, same, same, or like speaker. that, whatever. Yeah. But personally, in my years and years and years of sex work, I have never seen specific requests for specific nationalities. Mm-hmm. I have only seen requests for um, ethnicities. 100%. And that what that means is, like, people don't say, I want Japanese girls. People say, I want Asian girls. Do you know what that also mm-hmm. means? Right? No, and, I passed geography. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing. You know damn well that that, that that guy that asked specifically for Asian women would be mad as fuck when a Pakistani woman showed up. Oh my god, 100%. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you'd be mad as fuck when a gorgeous girl from India shows up. Babe, she's Asian. Yeah. Honey, she's Asian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sweetie? Honey? <laughs> Sweetheart? She's Asian. Okay. Yeah. I gotta tell you something. I gotta, I don't know how to tell you this, right? So that's why to me, I'm like, if this, if this light doesn't hurt anybody, I could not give less of a fuck, you know? Yeah. I know this is quite a controversial question, but is it racist to only want to book people of your own ethnicity? Uh, I honestly think that's the preference and like, uh, prejudice racism question. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think it's, in the same umbrella, we know that you're not going <laughs> to, like, we know as sex workers, we're not going to change anyone's mind. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, what, I got two hours with you and then I leave, but yeah. I'm done with this party. So in, in terms of, like, I want to be around people that look like me, I can understand, I can understand that. Yeah. Right? Like, and I think culturally, too, there's certain, like, cultural idiosyncrasies that, like... Except if you're white. If you're white, you're a racist. Well. You have no culture. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which is so fucking Unless weird. Unless you want to <laughs> Which is so weird because I've never seen, like, uh, people be like, I only want Irish women because I want to be surrounded by Irish people. Right, Because yeah. I feel like, you know, like, that's, maybe they wouldn't ask specifically because they don't think that would be available in Vancouver, you know? It's like, what, y'all gonna talk about potatoes and shit? Yeah, like, <laughs> just like, or, like, whatever else, like, like, just, <laughs> like, your politics or, you know, like, people maybe that you know, like, whatever it is. But, in those situations, I am, like, hyper aware of the fact that, like, me existing as a fat black sex worker, I am never, and I'm going to say this as an absolute, again, you might get some hate mail, but I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck. I am never in a position where I have more power than you, mm-hmm. and I am acutely aware of that. And when I mean you, I'm not talking about Danica or Riley specifically. I'm talking <laughs> about the general. I'm like, by the way. But I am never in a position, because of how I look and because of who I am, I'm not in a position where I will ever have, like, uh, better job security than you. People yeah. will find me more attractive than you. That's yeah. it's just, it's not a thing that exists. So the idea that I could be, like, stealing work from like when people are like oh are you mixed and I'd be like oh how'd you guess like do you want to guess what I'm mixed with and if they're like oh you look a little bit European I'd be like actually yeah my grandmother was Italian mm-hmm. bitch I don't give three bucks mm-hmm. if me saying I'm half Italian makes it so that you as a white person don't get booked yeah. and it's like it sounds terrible to say but mm-hmm. you'll have other gigs do you mm-hmm. know what I mean mm-hmm. and I already know how much less I get booked than other women. Yeah. I'm are like I'm acutely aware. You know, yeah. you don't have to remind me. So when people say shit like that, I'm like, sure, keep it moving. I don't care because for me, at the end of the day, it's my bag, and I will do what I need to do to secure my bag. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. No, I think that's a very good discussion. <laughs> <laughs> now on a more happy note. 
And all your racist assholes out there. Uh, (laughs) What's been your most memorable experience in sex work? Whether it be like massage particular or as a whole. Um, My most memorable experience. There's, to be honest, there's so many. I have so many happy memories. Um, I don't know, gosh, that's actually a really hard question because I, there's, (laughs) there's a lot. Um, Or like a funniest encounter you've had or. I, okay. So my, okay. When I was in Europe again on vacation, I guess this is part of sex work, but it started off as like rack sex, right? So I met this, uh, he was a very lovely dude. I met him in Geneva. <laughs> I love how it was like, you would expect like a very lovely, a very lovely dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, me speaking, that's how it is. I'm like, yeah, he was quite all right. <laughs> you know? um, but he was yeah, actually, yes, he was quite a lovely gentleman. And he, uh, by the way, if anybody ever thinks about going to Geneva, don't. It's, it sucks. There's like truly nothing there. Wow. This is clearly uh, not sponsored by Geneva tourists. No, tourism. <laughs> no. If you if you want to have a good time in Europe, don't go to Geneva. Just because <laughs> just because there's like there's other places you could go that are way more fun. And Geneva is kind of the place where people come in for like uh, political reasons. Like they'll come in, they'll do their politics meetings and stuff, and then they'll fly out same mm. day kind of thing. So people don't really like live live in Geneva. Right. Um. And if you want to have fun, you kind of got to go where like the immigrants are to be honest that's like that's where the fun food is that's where the good food is that's where everything is so I was in Geneva I didn't know all this so I I was only uh gonna stay for two two to three days and I was just traveling by myself I was having a good time and I met a lovely gentleman at a cocktail bar and I'm a big believer in you know being comfortable with your own presence and being happy existing with yourself so I like to take myself out on dates I like to go to the movies alone I really actually really enjoy being around myself I like my own company so I was at a cocktail bar and you know I wanted some good food so there I was this gentleman came up to me he introduced himself we hit it off like immediately uh and at that point in my life I was not like I don't have rack sex I just I find that I can't do it I'm a demisexual so it's actually very very difficult for me to have sex with um, just either strangers or people I met that day. I have, I have to have a very deep emotional connection with the person and have known them for quite a while before I even start to get wet. <laughs> you know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Um, and so if you don't know what a demisexual is, that's what that is. And you can find out more online. So he was very lovely. I really loved spending time with him. And, uh, he, I don't know why, but he was just like, hey, would you like to, like, come upstairs to my hotel room, da 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 all this stuff. And as a joke, I was like, how do you know, uh, how do I know you won't murder me? You know, like, Ooh. I said that as a joke <laughs> or whatever. And he was Swiss, and, you know, like, Swiss man, and he was tall. He wasn't too hard on the eyes. And uh, he immediately just, like, whipped out his ID, and he was like, this, this, that, this, that. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds fine. Yeah, sure. So... Again, you know, we're in his hotel room and uh, that was, don't ever do this, obviously. (laughs) Maybe I was just being young and dumb, but we had a very, very lovely night. And then, you know, he was asking me about my trip. I was telling him all about it. And then I said something offhand, like, oh, I just really want to do everything when I'm in Europe, you know, but I have a budget. And immediately he went, oh, what's your budget? And my butt, obviously, I'm a smart girl, so I said a uh, much lower 50, number. No, no, oh, yeah. <laughs> for my budget. Oh, to like, no. yeah, I wish I had fifty thousand dollars. And I was young too, so I was like, "Well, I'm just a college student, and I, I have ten dollars. I have three dollars." <laughs> <laughs> so I, 
I told him, I was like, you know what, for my whole two-week trip, I actually only have $1,000, so I'm like, you know, staying at hostels and just, like, trying to have the best time ever. And then he said, how much money would you need to make this trip? $50,000. How much money would you need to, like, make this trip memorable for you? And I said, well, why? Are you going to fork over some cash? And he said, maybe. You're like... Kiddingly, and I was like, hmm, well, I would love, and my dumbass said $5,000. Oh, no. <laughs> I know, because I thought we were joking. <laughs> I, said, I, wrote I thought it was a joke. I wrote, I wrote it down in my diary. <laughs> later, I laughed at it later. I exactly. And so I was like, tee hee hee. And it was so enjoyable. We had like a very lovely night together. We actually just ended up watching movies and everything. And then he very politely asked if he could eat me out. And I said, of course, because I actually do really. Not give me the 5000 <laughs> no, I was like, I really love being eaten out. But at that point in time, I was like, again, super hyper aware of STDs. I still am. I just like, I can't do it. So I was like, I'm sorry, but like, I want to, but you might have an STD and I'm just like, not about it. And this man, I fucking kid you not, whips out his phone and shows me the last time he got tested. And it was like a week ago. And he was like, I have to for work. And I was like, I don't want to know what you do for work. Yeah, I was going to say, wow, what are you, a Okay, yeah. I was like, what you do? But I was like, okay, great, no worries. And I, maybe you shouldn't have, you know, maybe you shouldn't buy it. But I was like, great, that works for me. And the worst thing is it was, like, not in English. It was because he's... It's like positive on everything, but you just didn't know. It's like, nine, 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 nine. No, no, no. Because, okay, so I... Because I have, like, a fucking Google Pixel. No, I have a Google Pixel. So if you go to the camera and you hover it over a text that's in a different language, it translates for you. Right? So I did that shit so I could actually read it. So I did my due diligence. And, you know, I did as much as I could. And then I got eaten out by this man. It was so lovely. I orgasmed so many times. I Like, honestly, it was a very lovely night. Passed out in his bed. Woke up the next morning. Mads was gone. Everything was gone. There was $5,000 on the table. And there was a note. And it was like, so cute. He was like, I hope this makes your trip okay. Da, da, da. And I was like, damn. damn. Why is it easier to get money as a non-fucking sucker? I was I like, know. what the fuck? Like, this man willingly forked over money, not knowing I was a cure. You know, a certified okay. cure. I looked him up afterwards, and yeah, he, he works for the government. That's how you got money. That's what Yo, you but why are they always giving square bitches money? I was the squarest square I could have been. And that was the easiest 5K I've ever made. Just this man really wanted to eat me out. And he was very handsome. And honestly, it was very lovely. And I'm not a dumb bitch. I took the money and left. <laughs> so I said, goodbye. Um, At and first, so when you said, said everything was gone, I thought he robbed you. I was no, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my funnest <laughs> night. My yeah, shoes were gone. <laughs> and it's so funny like I you know I had a, his contact number and everything and I just I never like messaged him or anything like that but I was just like what I was young and dumb and I was like what a wild night in Geneva and then I went on my merry you know my merry two week vacation in Europe um but that was empowering as fuck and I'd say that's memorable because after that anytime a man wanted to have sex I just went on a fucking like I'm gonna time it up rampage Mm -hmm. and I didn't have sex with anybody the entire trip to Europe but I tied a lot of men up um and that was really nice and they're still there (laughs) (laughs) it was very nice because I got to explore a little bit more of my dom side so they'd be like do you want to come to my hotel room I'd be like only if I can bring my toys and then I'd be like (laughs) just like tied to a a taser (laughs) (laughs) yeah I just like tickle up (laughs) no I never did that (laughs) okay 
So instead of our typical three questions we ask at the end of every episode, we are going to switch it up. Yes. Nina has um, a surprise for us. Yes, I brought a surprise. <laughs> I brought a surprise. I wanted this episode to be different because I'm different, bitch. I'm, I'm different. different. Put it up to the podcast. <laughs> so I have, I'm a big fan of reddit and i love just like reading all these little reddit stories and especially the ones about sex workers so this is one that i actually haven't read yet and so this will be new to me and this will be new to you guys as well and i just wanted to bring it to your attention because i think it's a little interesting and what advice you would give this person now this was posted like two years ago um so the chances of the person who posted this actually seeing it are pretty slim but i wanted your listeners to hear it as well and i wanted to get some you know, real reactions and see what you guys think. Okay. Okay, let's hear it. So this was posted by Good Apricot. That's their username. The headline says, husband has been frequenting massage parlors along with other things, dot, dot, dot. This is my first time posting, so bear with me, but I need to get some clarity on what I should do next. As of July 2019, I found out that my husband had been having a cyber affair with multiple women, but one in particular was very graphic. I found out because I went through his phone, which I know is not right, but I had been having my suspicions for a few months. I confronted him about it, and he had a meltdown, saying that he was so sorry, and he had just gotten bored and was living in this fantasy land. I asked how long it had been going on, and he told me two months. After some reflecting, I decided to try and make things work. In his defense, we had kind of stopped having sex, and he didn't technically fuck another woman. He agreed to go to marriage counseling and try to work it out. After two counseling sessions, he decided he didn't like it and didn't want to go anymore. Okay, fine. I felt like we were improving, so I agreed. About a month later, I checked his phone again. I made it clear to him that I would be doing this periodically now and found out that he is in a group message on Tumblr with an entire group of other women and they were making plans to meet up for an orgy. I lost my shit, but he swore the meetup was never going to happen. Again, just living in a fantasy land. That's what he was doing. I once again forgave him and tried to move on and heal our marriage. All this while, I have been buying lingerie, sex toys, porns, etc. Just to make sure he is no longer bored. It doesn't seem to have any effect on improving our sex life. Fast forward to this past weekend. I get a call from the secret girlfriend from July, and she tells me all kinds of things I never knew. One is that they have been having this cyber affair for much longer than two months. The other was that my husband has been frequenting massage parlors for years and would proudly tell her all about it. Now this pissed me off for many reasons. Number one, because I had already confronted him about my suspicions of this exact thing when I noticed multiple charges a a week from massage parlors. No dude goes to get an actual massage that frequently. Number two, we were in a terrible spot financially because he cannot seem to keep a job. Since getting laid off in 2013, he has developed severe depression and anxiety, which has led him to become very lazy where he gets fired from jobs about every six months. He also refuses to seek help for the mental health issues. So this motherfucker was spending upwards of $500 a month on Asian prostitutes. Meanwhile, my card is getting declined when I try to get gas on my way to work. On Saturday, I finally told him that I can't keep justifying this to to myself anymore and that I want a divorce. Since then, he has begged, pleaded, been mean, been nice, threatened to hurt himself, threatened to hurt the secret girlfriend who called me, etc. 
the one thing he has not done, apologize. I am a patient and forgiving person, but I don't feel like there is any way to save this, even though I still love him very, very much. I am so scared to go through this as we have been together since I was 18 years old, and he is all I've known. But surely not all men are like this, right? Do you guys think I'm overreacting? I have overlooked so much, but for the same, but for some reason, the massage parlor thing is different to me. This is not normal. Ooh, I was with you, girl, until you said this is not normal. <laughs> so that is, wow, that's heavy. All right. <laughs> After all the lot. things that we talked damn. about, I'm like, oh, that one is heavy. Oh, <laughs> damn. Okay, well, we short on time. So um, throw the whole fucking man out. He's yeah, a yeah. fucking goof. Yeah. One, the, the first and foremost, the fact that he fucking lies to you. Secondly, the fact that you are struggling to get fucking gas money mm. and this guy is throwing away money elsewhere when he knows you guys are struggling financially and you guys are struggling because he can't hold a fucking job down mm. like a fucking bum and like and then just like the constant like your forgiveness and he makes zero effort to adjust anything in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, nah, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> and for it's that reason, no. dragons, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a no for me. The title was really misleading because the massage parlor is not the problem. The problem <laughs> is that your husband is obviously a fucking, a, liar. A fucking liar and an Deadbeat. absolute imbecile if he can't hold a job. And you are obviously a lovely and forgiving person who maybe needs to work about your uh, work on your ideas about uh, <laughs> sex work. But yeah. uh, you know, at the end of the day, like three strikes and you're out, bitch. Like <laughs> half a strike and you should be half out with that shit. Exactly. Like you're getting three yeah. strikes with this shit. Um, by all means, like nothing wrong with visiting sex workers. Obviously, nothing wrong with going to massage parlors. Obviously. Uh, nothing wrong to organizing some fake orgy that allegedly is never going to happen. <laughs> Weird, but okay. Seems tedious, but all right. Um, the the wrongness comes into play when you are hurting a loved one and you are lying to them and you are like impacting their daily activities. They can't get fucking gas because of your ass. Like it's your ass so is much. Grass. <laughs> your ass is grass. <laughs> you know what? I was. I was thinking the same thing, and I, I just really want to clarify. It is not the fact that he is spending $500 on prostitutes or no, massages. You should be going just, to pay more. <laughs> yeah, you should be paying more. What I'm saying is the fact that he is spending any type of money on anything other than what their household needs. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. she's really hung up on the fact that he is seeing sex workers. And just like the way, maybe it's the way I read it, but when she was like, Asian prostitutes, I'm like, how you know they're Asian? First of all, again, yeah, that's, that's a racist thing. Right? How you get that again, that's a weird racist thing where like yeah, just because it's a rub and tug and right, she's like, they're Asian exactly, women. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So again with that, but at the same time, you know, the, the language she used to me came off very like, these whores. They're <laughs> ruining my husband. And yeah. it's like, no, your husband is trash. You know, yeah. like the man was already trash. And yeah. sex workers didn't make him trash, honey. Yeah. So I yeah. just, I, I just want to clarify that it is not the fact that he spent money on sex workers that yeah. is wrong. It is the fact that she is struggling to get gas while he is spending money yeah. on something that like clearly a hurts her directly. Right. He because she's considering too. it cheating. Yeah. She, he doesn't, she doesn't want him to do it. And also B he's spending it. Like it'd be the same if he was spending off fucking gambling. Like you're just throwing money away when she's yeah. struggling to get gas yeah. and yeah. you're spending $500 on anything else. Mm-hmm. I, I would seriously consider that. Yeah. Especially when it's a just, marriage, right? Yeah. Like, you have a commitment to each other. I would like, even like, this is how much it's not about the women. 
I would throw a whole man out if I was struggling to get gas and mm-hmm. I found he had like a safe where he was like putting away <gasps> money. Like yes. even if he was putting away the $500 for himself yes. and it wasn't even going anywhere and he was literally letting me struggle mm-hmm. to put gas in my fucking car to get my ass to work because I'm holding the household down mm-hmm. because I have a fucking job and his ass doesn't. Mm-hmm. I would throw the man out for that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, the underlying issue is that this man has absolutely no fucking respect for you, mm-hmm. lies to your fucking face, and lets you struggle through life mm-hmm. when he's supposed to be your fucking partner. Yeah. Like, fuck that and goof, I, he's out. I also think there's two separate issues here. I think, I think the fact, like, I think you are dissatisfied and you guys aren't having sex and clearly he's got, like, this, this whole, like, thing going on, right? And I think that's actually separate from the fact that, like, he is fucking deadbeat like I don't think those two things are are connected like that like I think you are upset that he is seeing other women in this manner but then also tied into that is the fact that like girl you seem dissatisfied because fuck you're working out here and like you're trying to provide for your family and you've been with this guy since you were 18 you've given him so much of your life and He's out here not contributing financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's out here. You're making suggestions. Like, you're the one that's saying, let's go to to uh, counsel, cu- um, couples counseling. That's you. Like, you're yeah. the one that's wanting to fix this, right? You're trying so, to remedy his fuck Exactly. Like, and it's not, a, it's not, girl, yeah. you better leave. Yeah. I would pose the question, would you still feel the same way if you were well taken care of, money wasn't an issue, like... Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> where, where is the issue actually? Exactly. Yeah. And I think Obviously, the massage thing you feel differently about, but mm-hmm. like, is it because of the money at that point? Like, I think I think anybody spending, I think like a lot of people pretend like money isn't a, a big deal, and y'all liars. Yeah, so. you're lying. Like money is important because you. If, I don't. She doesn't say whether they have kids or not, but like, what if his kids aren't eating? But meanwhile, he's spending this money. Yeah. So it's like. For me personally, it's not that like I, I would or wouldn't feel different, but when you have money, a lot of people, for a lot of people, that means you have security. And right? you look past a lot of shit yeah, your money. Exactly. And so I'm not saying that this would or wouldn't be okay. This wouldn't be okay in any situation because me personally, people's idea of cheating is very different. And I really want to make that clear because there's people like, oh, we're swingers. It's like, yeah. clearly that's not cheating because you're, you're both in agreement with each other, right? And you have boundaries that you have set and you have talked to each other about this, right? So what one person might consider cheating, I would never, another man fucked my wife? Okay, but these guys are, yeah, maybe they're cool with it. Maybe these guys are swingers. Maybe these guys aren't, right? So people have different definitions of cheating. And there's people that think even messaging another person, that's cheating, right? You message another girl and you told her she's beautiful, that's cheating. And that might be your boundary, right? Make that, that, that's your clear boundary. This to me, it sounds like, he doesn't think he's cheating, and it sounds like she is deeply hurt by the fact that he is cheating to her, yeah. right? And it doesn't sound like they've talked about what their boundaries are at all. No. I think to me, it has nothing to do. I don't give a fuck about the cheating. I don't like a fucking liar. I have no fucking patience for lying. And so that's, like, my biggest thing is that you're straight up lying to my fucking face. And um, someone that can watch you suffer or struggle um, – and, like, willingly watch that happen and do nothing to help you does not love you. Yes. Like, yeah. end point, period, yeah. sentence done. They, yeah. They've got their own issues going on and you're not you're not even factoring in at that point. Yeah. Like, you're not part of the math, honey. Yeah. That's yeah. not a partnership. And, like, that's so unfortunate that you wasted for the last, like, X amount of years of your entire 20s or whatever it be um, within this being the only person. And I see that with, like, a lot of, like, you know, growing up in a religious high school and thing. Oh, a lot yeah. of these people yeah. start dating at 15 and have literally never – 
experienced a date outside of that and they've yes. known this person now for 15 plus years and they're like I can never leave it's all I know it's like that's why you publish so much shit because you don't know nothing else you don't know yeah. how good it should be yeah um so I feel like that's this case too is like she doesn't realize like well I mean let's go back to like her point it's like all men like this yeah men are dogs but anyway they all shit but I want to make it clear that to like every sex worker that's listening you deserve somebody that's willing to give you the sun, the moon, the stars, and when that's not enough, offers to fucking be Atlas and carry Earth on his back so that you can walk freely, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, that is the minimum, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Don't make the bar in hell. Don't make the bar the floor. Make sure the bar is wherever it is, like, what you think you deserve, ask ask for more. Yeah, What you think you deserve, ask for more than that. Because a lot of people, I think, assume that there aren't you know, men out there that are willing to do X, Y, and Z for you, they are. And on that note, <laughs> we're going to wrap this up because I know we've kept you guys for a while. And I know you You're welcome. We're happily kept. <laughs> you know, welcome. Awesome. Nina, where can people find you? Where can people find me? Oh, my gosh. Where do I want to be found? Ooh. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Nina, the OK. That's N-I-N-A, Nina, like Nancy, the T-H-E, and then OK. The letters O and K. <laughs> awesome. Riley, where can people find you? You can find me at underscore Riley Divine. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at 50plusatip or email me at 50plusatip at gmail.com. Sign to the DMs with questions, comments, ideally not the hate mail that we know is pending. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Nina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I had such a blast, you guys. Have a very wonderful week. Happy whoring. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>